when the preaching schedule came out for this new series that we're on, on Renewed Rhythms, I came home and I told Fiona that I was preaching on Rhythms of Rest. And she said, oh, that'll be a good one for you to do. And I said, why? And she said, well, if you preach on it, maybe you'll learn how to actually rest. And so I'm going to be honest with you right up off the front today. Uh, this is not something I'm an expert at. This is something that I'm learning about and I'm just passing on what God's been teaching me as I've been working through this sermon on how to actually put a rhythm of rest into my life. So today we're going to be looking at Exodus 23 verses 10 to 19 and just talk about rhythms of rest in our lives. What does this look like? What's the benefit of it? Why should we be doing this? And again, I'm just going to be passing along a little bit of what I've been learning and, and hopefully it'll be helpful to you as you start to think about rhythms of rest in your life. So let's read from the passage and then we'll pray together. Exodus 23 verses 10 to 19. For six years you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops, but during the seventh year let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and so that the slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. Be careful to do everything I have said to you. Do not invoke the names of other gods. Do not let them be heard on your lips. Three times a year you are to celebrate a festival to me. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days eat bread made without yeast, as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Aviv, for in that month you came out of Egypt. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. Celebrate the festival of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in your crops from the field. Three times a year, all the men are to appear before the Sovereign Lord. Do not offer the blood of a sacrifice to me along with anything containing yeast. The fat of my festival offerings must not be kept until morning. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Let's pray. God, we come before you and just ask that you would lead us through this time of studying your word. And we thank you that you revealed yourself through the scripture to us, God, that you work uh, in our lives through the Holy Spirit to draw us closer to you, to, to help us to know you more. And today, may we just learn more about who you are and your providence for us and the rest that we can find in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so, for many of us, we're at a time when rest is on our minds. We've, we've gone through a lot of changes over the last couple months, and we have a lot of changes starting to happen ahead. For many of us, we probably feel more tired than we've ever been. Some of us are essential workers, and, and we've been working busy schedules and, and very stressful schedules over the last few months. Some of us, are, uh, our jobs maybe have changed a little bit, but our hours haven't changed. We've had to figure out new ways to do things. And so a lot of us are probably more stressed and more busy than we've been before. Some of us are parents who weren't expecting a, a six month summer with no playgrounds or programs open for our kids to be occupied with. And, and so we're busy. For others, maybe we've been finally forced to find some of that rest we've been needing for so long. And we have these new rhythms in place that we need to remember as we move on and things start to open up after being shut down for so long. And wherever we find ourselves in our lives these days, 
One thing that's important for us is to look at our lives and make sure that we find the rhythm of rest that God has called us to in our lives, a, a rhythm of rest that allows us to, to thrive in life and to really follow God and, and, and strive to have a deeper relationship with Him. Rest is crucial for us. It's important for us as, as people. It's important for us when we're seeking to be productive and, and efficient. Bertie Forbes, the, the man who started Forbes magazines back in the early 1900s, he's quoted as saying, how we spend our non-working hours determines very largely how capably or incapably we spend our working hours. And this is coming from a man whose tagline for his magazine was devoted to doers and doings. But he recognized the need for rest in his interviews and, and the time he spent with different business people and, and industrialists. He recognized that this need for rest is so important for us as, as people as we continue to work. It's important in determining how well we are going to work and how good all the areas in our lives are going. We need rest. It affects our relationships with one another. It affects our relationships with ourselves and it affects our relationships or relationship with God. We need rest so that we're not overcome by the stress and the tension that comes with our work and our day to day life. Rest is important for us as people. And we see that importance of rest in scripture. In, uh, in his book on the Ten Commandments, Kevin DeYoung writes, you can make the case that the Israelites would have understood the fourth commandment to be the most important of the ten. For starters, it is the longest and most detailed commandment. Moreover, Sabbath observance is mentioned more often than any other of the ten commandments, 11 times in the Pentateuch and over 100 times in the Old Testament. And so even just through reading scripture, we start to see the importance that rest has in our lives, the importance that the rest that God has called us to is. We need a rhythm of rest in our lives. We need to have this rest if we want to thrive as people and grow in our relationship with God. We need to make sure that our life has this pattern of rest throughout it. And the question I want to address today is what does that rest actually look like? So let's turn our attention back to Exodus 23, starting in verse 10. For six years you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops, but during the seventh year let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among you, uh, the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. And so right off the start here, we see this, this call to rest that God has for his people. He starts off by saying, you're to work your fields for six years, but on the seventh year, you're supposed to leave it unplowed and unused. And in this call to rest, we see God's heart, his care for all of his creation. We see that we are to rest so that the poor and the oppressed and the foreigners can have uh, refreshment. We see that we are to rest so that the, the poor among the people can be fed and, and eat the grain and, and the crops that are, are unharvested. We see that the, the wild animals are to be fed. We even see that part of the rest that happens in, in not working the fields is that the fields themselves are rejuvenated. Uh, and this is incredibly important at a time when there was no fertilizer to let these fields sit and, and, and um, replenish themselves so that they'll be of use again. And so in this call to rest where we're called to let the seventh year 
go unplowed and unused, we see that God cares for his creation and all of his creation. What we see is this idea of Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. God calls for rest because he cares for his creation. He cares, um, and because he cares, he orders us to rest for the benefit of us and all of creation. Let's continue reading. Verse 12, six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work so that your ox and your donkey may rest and so that the slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. And so now we move from a, a Sabbath year to a Sabbath day that's to take place every week. God calls his people once a week to have a day where they rest. And again, we see God's heart for all of his, all of his creation, for the slave, for the animal, for his people. Everyone is to rest and be refreshed once a week. I do want to be clear here in saying that part of this rhythm of rest that God is calling his people to also involves the rhythm of work. Work is a part of this rhythm of rest that he's called his people to. The people are to rest on the seventh day because they've worked hard the six previous days and they've accomplished what God has called them to. We are called to work. Work isn't something that's a punishment for us. It's something that we've been created to do. Work is a gift from God. And what we don't want to do is move from a place of, of finding a rhythm of rest to moving to a place of laziness. We need to understand that work is God-given and part of our rhythm of life that goes hand in hand with the rhythm of rest that we've been called to. And so the people are called to work. You work six days and on the seventh day, you rest. On the seventh day, you find the refreshment that you're looking for, the refreshment that you need. On the seventh day, you have a focus not on the work that you're doing, but on God and becoming rested. That's a part of the weekly schedule that God has called his people to. Verse 13. Be careful to do everything I have said to you. Do not invoke the names of other gods. Do not let them be heard on your lips. And this may seem like an odd uh, verse to put into this passage that we're talking about this, this cycle of, of rest. We're talking about these, these Sabbaths that God has called us to. And then we have this command to, to not speak the names of other gods. But what we need to understand is this calling to rest is unique for the people of God and their relationship with him. Part of God's call to this rhythm of rest is that it separates his people from the culture around them. Scholar Mark F. Rook, uh, Rooker writes, the fourth commandment is unparalleled among the laws of the ancient Near East. The Amorites, the Hittites, the Canaanites, the Philistines, they didn't rest the way that God's people were called to rest. And so by adhering to God's rhythm of rest that he's called his people to, they're making themselves distinct from all of the nations around them. And think about the testimony that this would be to those people on the outside looking in. Imagine the questions that may come up as they wonder, why are these people resting once a week? Why are they resting their fields um, once every seven years? As they see the difference it makes in the Israelites' lives, they're going to be intrigued by that rest and the benefits that come with it. Imagine the impact our rest can have on those outside of the church watching us and wondering why we don't get too caught up in the busyness of life. 
imagine the testimony that our rest can have on people on the outside who are overwhelmed and wondering, why do those people rest? Why do they get away from all of these surrounding distractions and just rest? Imagine the intrigue that that causes and the people who are going to want to know about our God who calls us to rest. Part of this rhythm of rest is that it makes us distinct from the cultures around us. Verse 14, three times a year you are to celebrate a festival to me. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread for seven days. Eat bread made without yeast as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Aviv, for in that month you came out of Egypt. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. Celebrate the festival of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in your crops from the field. Three times a year, all the men are to appear before the sovereign Lord. Do not offer the blood of the sacrifice to me with anything containing yeast. The fat of my festival offerings must not be kept until morning. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. So we've seen the Sabbath year, we've seen the Sabbath day, and now we see that God has called his people to these three festivals every year. We begin with the, the, the festival of unleavened bread, and, and this is the Passover. This is the time where the people of God would celebrate. He saved them from Egypt. He brought them out of the oppression and slavery that they were in, and he brought them to the promised land. Next, we have the festival of harvest, and during this festival, the festival of harvest, which is the Feast of Weeks or, or Pentecost, uh, during this festival, the people remembered that God gave them the law at Mount Sinai, that he guided his people and taught them how to live, that he gave them instructions on how to be his special people. And then third, we have the festival of ingathering, the, the festival of, of tabernacles or booths. And here the people of God celebrate when he led them through the wilderness into the promised land that he dwelt among his people. Three times a year, God called his people to pause their regular schedules, head to Jerusalem, and worship him. He caused them to, to pause their regular schedule so that they could go before him and celebrate and worship him and remember all the things that he had done for them. And so they're called to this pattern of rest that infiltrates their year. His He's called to the people. He's called his people to to remember his love, his provision, his greatness. And so three times a year, the people pause what they're doing and they have these festivals. And one of the important things to notice about these festivals that that's a byproduct, a byproduct of the worship that they're called to is actually the rest that it gives them. Each of these three festivals actually happen during a busy time during the Hebrew calendar. The Feast of Unleavened Bread takes place during the barley harvest. The Festival of, of Harvest is during the wheat harvest. And the Festival of Ingathering takes place when the grapes and the olives are gathered. And so by calling his people to pause and worship him these three times during the year in these unique and more detailed ways, God is also calling them to rest during these busy times of life and just focus on him and his greatness and what he's done for them. And then we end our section today with this odd little command. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. And this may seem strange, 
And it's probably something many of us have never thought of. I mean, I actually love to eat goat. I love the way it tastes. And I can promise you, I've never had the thought, what does this goat need right now? A little bit of its mother's milk. And so we might think, who would do this? And the answer is the Canaanites. Cooking a baby goat or a young goat in its mother's milk was actually a, a fertility ritual that the Canaanites would do in worship of one of their gods. And so, again, just like God ended his call to rest once a week, God ends his calling for the people to come and worship him three times a year by saying, you are to remain distinct from the culture around you. There is an element of rest that God orders that goes hand in hand with the unique relationship his people have with him. And so in Exodus 23, we see this importance of, of the rhythm of rest that God has not only told us is good for us, but commanded us to have. And so what does that look like in our life? This is what Ligon Duncan has said about the rhythm of rest. He writes, God, by weaving himself into the weekly calendar of Israel, has shown to Israel how integral he is to them. He co and correspondingly, their schedules show the priority of God in their lives. God, by weaving himself into, their, into the weekly calendar of Israel, has shown to Israel how integral he is to them. And correspondingly, their schedules show the priority of God in their lives. The purpose of this pattern of rest that God has given his people is that it shows his significance, his, uh, their dependence of him in, in their lives, and it shows them their need to rest in him. And so how do we put this structure into our lives? We may be tempted to say that we just can't do this. We can't actually fit this rhythm of rest in our lives. Maybe we feel like we're too busy and we, we can't stop because if we stop, we'll be overwhelmed by all the work and all the personal issues or, or the family things that are going to sneak up on us and, and just take over our lives. And so if we actually stop and rest, we're actually gonna feel overwhelmed. Maybe some of us struggle with the idea of rest because we actually like the way that being busy makes us feel important. Other, others of us may argue that this is an Old Testament command, which we don't need to adhere to anymore, which by the way, we don't do with any of the other 10 commandments. But what I want us to realize is what we actually miss out on when we neglect this rhythm of rest that God has called his people to. We miss out on the refreshment that God gives us. We lose the ability to give up the tension and the stress that we find in our everyday life and it just piles up on us. And we lose the ability to spend some focused time on our distinct and restful relationship with God. So we need to remember that God calls us to rest because we need it for ourselves, for the people around us, and for our relationship with God. And so we need to implement this rhythm of rest that God has called his people to, but what does that actually look like today? Do we have to follow the same pattern that Exodus 23 uh, lies out for us? Do we have to practice that sabbatical year? Do we have to rest on, on Saturday or, or Sunday every week? Do we need to celebrate the three pilgrimage festivals that we read about here? And so what I think we need to understand is that this rhythm of rest needs to be in our life, but it doesn't have to look exactly like we see in Exodus 23. As we've talked about in past sermons, the actual day that we take a Sabbath, the actual day that we rest on is disputable. We see that in Romans 14, 
uh, starting in verse five, which says, one person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers every day alike, each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains so, uh, whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. We see that the, the actual Sabbath day is disputable. We see that again in Colossians 2, starting in verse 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or, regard, uh, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. And so we don't need to follow the practices of rest exactly as they're laid out in Exodus 23. What we need to do is adopt the rhythm of rest that God gives his people and adopt the principles of rest that God has given his people. So let's talk about that rhythm that's laid out for us in Exodus 23. Like we said, we may not practice Sabbath on the same day every week. We might not rest on Saturday or Sunday, but the pattern needs to be taken seriously. We need to work six days and rest on the seventh. We need to take one day during our week or time during our week that equals a day to have rest, to really find a way to refresh ourselves and to focus on our relationship with God. It doesn't need to be Saturday. It doesn't need to be Sunday. And your job, your life may determine what this actually looks like in your life, but God calls us to have a rhythm of rest in our week. And then throughout our year, month to month, we need to have focused times of rest. This is where our vacations come into play. I mentioned at the beginning of, of the sermon that, that Fiona was excited that I was going to be learning about how to rest by preaching this sermon. And there's actually a story that goes along with that. My first year here at Houston Street Baptist Church, I think we're still Houston Baptist Street Church for a week. I don't know, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, James, James North Baptist Church, whatever we are. My first year on staff here um, was my first year in full-time ministry. And I started at the end of the summer, the end of August, and by the following June, Dwayne and I went on a walk for one of our meetings, and Dwayne uh, very nicely pointed out that I had been working almost a full year, and I had not taken any vacation, and I had not scheduled any vacation for the summer. And so, again, very gently, Dwayne told me that for the sake of my family and for the sake of my health and, and so that I don't burn out after one year of ministry, I was to get in my weeks of vacation for the summer as soon as possible. And Fiona was very appreciative of this talk because I needed someone to remind me that God created me to need those times of rest in my life. I'm not there fully yet, but I'm getting better. But I needed somebody to remind me that God created me for the, uh, to need that rest in my life. And again, I want to point out that God placed these, these rituals, these, these religious festivals during busy times during the year. And so I know it's not always possible, but I do think it's greatly beneficial if we can plan some of our downtime, some of our, some of our vacation, our rest time, around those busy times during our year so that we can get the rest that those times are calling for. And then finally, we see in Exodus 23, this, this sabbatical year. And what does that look like in our lives? And I would love to be a part of some of the conversations that you would have if you went to your boss and just said, hey, on the seventh year of my employment, I actually can't work. I need to have time off for the full year. We know that that's not how it's gonna work in our context, 
But I do think there is something to, to note here in that we can pay attention to when we as, as individuals or as families have had an, a really stressful year or a really stressful stretch of time where maybe we need to adjust our pattern of, of rest to kind of make up for some of that, to get some of that extra rest that we need. Maybe we need to, to take some of our vacation weeks and clump them together for a longer period of rest, or maybe we need to adjust our weekly schedule so that we get more rest than we were getting before because we've had a difficult time, a really difficult stretch of years or a difficult stretch of time, and we need to adjust our yearly schedule to kind of make up for some of that. So our rhythm might look different than the actual rhythm that we see in Exodus 23, but we still need that pattern of weekly and monthly and yearly rest in our lives. We need to adopt that rhythm that God has called out for his people. And then we also need to take up these principles of rest. As we begin this pattern of rest in our lives, we need to be aware of why God is calling us to rest in the first place. What are the principles that come through the rest that we need to, to uh, take up in our lives? I've tried to make this as easy as possible for me to remember, and so hopefully this works for you, but there's three things that I try to remember when it comes to what am I actually resting for. We need to refresh, we need to refocus, and we need to rely. So we need to refresh. In our rest, God intends us to be refreshed. When we overwork ourselves, we get tired, we get stressed, we get useless. And so he's called us to this rhythm of rest in our lives so that we can have that tension and strain in our life reduced and that we can be refreshed. And this is going to help our relationships around us. This is going to help us in our work and our relationship with ourselves. And as we're going to see, it's going to help in our relationship with God. This tension that we have built up as we go through our day-to-day -day life and, and if we avoid our rest, it gets in the way of the quality uh, of intention that we give to God. It wreaks havoc on our mental and our, and our physical health. And so God calls us to rest so that we can be refreshed. We need to break physically and mentally from our regular schedule, from our regular work, and we need to refresh ourselves. And so what are things that you can do? What are the things that you do to relax? I think part of our rest needs to be, what do we do to just enjoy life? Make those part of your rhythm of rest. Is it making things? Is it making music? Do you like painting or reading? Or do you like doing yard work or sports or board games? Whatever it is, I think we have permission in our rhythm of rest to do these things that help us to relax and enjoy life. I do wanna give two points of warning though. One, we can't be selfish in how we find our refreshment. Sabbath was communal, it was about all of God's people, all of God's creation finding rest. And so we need to think through our friends, our family, our churches as we figure out how do I find refreshment. It's okay to do things that help us to rest and that we enjoy, but we also need to be mindful of what the core people in our lives need as well. We need to think through how do I recharge? How does my family recharge? How does my, my friend group recharge? What do they need right now as well? And so in our rhythm of rest, we need to have rest for ourselves, but also be aware of the rest of the people around us and what they need. And the second warning is that actually finding refreshment is harder than it actually seems at first. Stephen King, the, the author, once said uh, about rest, 
He said, during those periods of full stop, I usually feel at loose ends with myself and have trouble sleeping. For me, not working is the real work. And so we need to be aware of what actually helps us feel refreshed. We need to shut off the distractions, right? We might be home from work, but we need to shut away the distractions that come with work. We need to turn our phones off. We need to stop answering emails when we're supposed to be resting. We need to understand that if we stop and I don't answer that youth's question about the next Friday Night Live event right now, God is still going to be at work in their lives and I can actually rest from my work and focus on feeling refreshed. And we need to know that sometimes the things that we think make us feel refreshed aren't actually working. For some of us, maybe it's easy to just slide onto social media and spend hours on social media saying we're not working so we're being refreshed without noticing the mental toll that that's actually taking on us. For some of us, the hobbies and, and the activities that we're doing that we think make us feel refreshed are actually stressing us out. Or maybe they're becoming obsessions and time consuming. And so we need to be sure that these activities we place in our lives for refreshment are actually refreshing us. And this is going to take honesty, it's going to take prayer, and it's probably going to take some trial and error. But we need to understand that being refreshed is more than just not working. It's actually having these things in our lives that help us to feel relaxed and rested. And so what are those things? But again, rest is so much more than just being refreshed when it comes to our relationship with God. It's actually a call for us to refocus. When you look at the Sabbath and what God's calling them to, the Sabbath was a time of, of refreshment for his people, but it was also a time for them to remember who God is and what he's done in their lives. I mean, think about it. Uh, God created the world in six days and on the seventh, he rested. Uh, when God's leading his people through the wilderness, they were to collect uh, manna and, and food for themselves for six days and then trust that God would give them enough on the sixth day to get them through the seventh day when they weren't allowed to collect any of that manna and any of that food. It's a reminder for them of all the things that God has done for them and all the ways that God has provided for them. He's included in this pattern of Sabbath a reminder of who he is. And so part of rest is to refocus on God and to remember in our lives how great he is and what he's done for us. And it's an opportunity in our lives to really focus on our relationship with God in a way that's free from distractions. It's, it's a time in our life where we can connect with God that's more than just reading my Bible in the three minutes that my kids aren't asking for help. It's, it's a time to actually spend in prayer with God when I'm not stressed about the next day's work coming for us, where I can just rest and try to tune out the distractions and say, God, I'm going to spend time today really connecting with you and growing in my relationship with you. It's a time if we have families where our families can spend some unhindered time just learning what it means to grow as a family in our relationship with God. It allows us to be free of the stress and anxiety and the problems from the rest of our life and say, God, today I'm going to spend some time with you, unhindered from anything else going on in our lives. And so we cease from our, uh, from our regular schedules, we seek refreshment, and we also focus more on God, which leads us to the final principle of rest that I want to touch on today. We need to rely on God. This rhythm of rest teaches us that we can trust God. We can trust that when we rest, that God is still at work and giving us everything we need. 
I love the, the ancient Jewish approach to a day because it starts at sundown. And so their day begins with people going to sleep and waking up to the work that God has already been doing. It's a reminder to them daily that God is the one who is at work, that the world relies on God, not on us. And this rest that we are called to reminds us of the same thing. When I stop for a day or when I take a vacation, God is still at work. Things are still happening. God is still saving people. When we learn to have this rhythm of rest, we learn to trust and rely on God in ways that we don't when we think we have to keep working and keep accomplishing things on our own for fear that things can't get done without us. But most importantly, resting reminds us that we rely on God for our ultimate importance. Timothy Keller writes, most of us work and work trying to prove ourselves to convince God and others and ourselves that we're good people that work is never over, that work is never over unless we rest in the gospel. Most of us work and work trying to prove ourselves, to convince God and others and ourselves that we're good people. That work is never over unless we rest in the gospel. The gospel allows us to find true rest. We don't need to prove ourselves to God. We don't need to make ourselves important. God saves us. This is what Hebrews 4 says. And I'll start reading in verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage I already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Did you notice verse three? Just look at verse three. We who have believed, uh, we, we who have believed, we who have believed can find that rest that God is promising. Do you want rest? Do you want to stop chasing that feeling of being important and busy? Do you want rest from feeling like you need to prove yourself to God, Christ gives us that rest. On the cross, he takes our worry, he takes our sin, he takes our iniquity, and he gives us his rest, his righteousness. You don't have to struggle to be important. We don't have to prove ourselves to God because we can't. You will never find rest if you try to make yourself worthy of a relationship with God. But Jesus has given us his righteousness on the cross. He has given us the rest that we need. We don't need to struggle to find value with God because Christ has given his value to those who believe. We can rest knowing that God has redeemed us through the cross. We can rest 
uh, knowing that we are loved by God, which is revealed to us through the gospel, we can find the rest that we need because Christ has given us the rest that we need. And so what we see here in Exodus 23 is not only do we need a rhythm of rest in our lives, we are commanded by God to have a rhythm of rest in our lives because we need it. We need to be refreshed. We need to refocus on God regularly and we need to constantly be reminded that we rely on God for everything. And the good news is that God gives us that rest that we need. I wanna close with another quote from Kevin DeYoung. You don't need to earn anything. You don't need to prove anything. The world does not depend on you. Your salvation does not depend on you. In an ultimate sense, your family does not depend on you. Can you hear the sweet voice of Jesus say, come to me and I will give you rest? I encourage you today to find the rest that Jesus offers and God commands. Let's pray. God, as we move from here, would you continue to make known in our lives the need of rest that we have and the dependence on you that we have? And would you open our eyes through the work of the Spirit in our lives to see how we can find the rest that you give us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.